Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Seek Therapy Podcast. It's me, Jasmine. And America. And Jasmine Ty, trying to figure it out, as always. <laughs> Jasmine, what the fuck? <laughs> you are so funny. Um, how are y'all? How's your week been? What's been your highlight? What's been your challenge? Um, I'll start. My challenge this week has been um, just the reality of settling in from Oakland and being so exhausted. Like, I started waking up at 4 a.m. instead of 4.50, and that feels very completely different. Um, and so I think doing that and still being tired from this weekend, I was just like exhausted. And so this morning, y'all know I like to go to the gym right when they open. This morning, I wake up, couldn't find my phone because it was not on the charger. It was in my jean jacket. <laughs> and so it was not charged. So I did not go to the gym because I'm not about to raw dog the gym like that. I'm not about to not have no music. like, And I'm doing the rock solid uh, fitness challenge. So I wouldn't be able to see it. So it just, it wasn't giving. So I was like, okay, maybe I need to listen and just rest. <laughs> so I went and went back to sleep. Um, so it wasn't all that bad, but just feeling tired and heavy. I feel like it was a heavy week. Um, and then my highlight is that I got to go bowling with Joe and Eric last night. And we got some drinks and we caught up and all that. So that was nice and a good time away from the house. <laughs> hmm. What about you, America? What's been your highlight? Hmm? Before I say mine, I want to say, and also shout out to you because you realized, I think in the middle of the week, or maybe that was last week, I can't remember, but mm -hmm. that your time that you have been getting up isn't working for you and you identified that and you made a different decision. So shout out to you for acknowledging that. Um, Thanks, so you welcome, girl. Um, let me see. Challenges this week. Same. Tired. My alarm goes off j just a couple minutes before yours. It's 3.55, but that's to give me enough time to press snooze at least a good twice. Um, <laughs> before I get out of the bed. Um, so just feeling tired. Came out of training um, and right back into the work week this week because I didn't really plan for that. So that's been a challenge. Um, and then highlight, I reached out to two therapists this week. Period, friend. Ow. So we get that started. <laughs> um, specifically EMDR therapists, because I don't want to talk. We just don't talk about. I want to do the somatic stuff. So reached out to two of them and I've been sleeping better, too. So that's been really nice to be able to go to sleep, knock on wood, be able to go to sleep and sleep <laughs> all night without any disturbances. So getting mm -hmm. a bit earlier, staying asleep majority of the night, and feeling better. So that's been nice. Yes, we love it. We love it. 
Okay, so my challenge this week has been State Farm Insurance. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know why that's funny. Okay, go ahead. You can't trust these light-skinned niggas out Okay. <laughs> Wait. Because Jake was trying to be down with Drake, and you can't trust these niggas. So, like, I had my car accident on the 30th of December. Uh, mm -hmm. so my car. Still don't know the verbiage of, like, is it totaled? What are we doing? Mm. But um, and they're trying to play me on this rental car. And I'm like, no. So Enterprise would not be calling me asking for some money because State Farm is your customer, not me. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I will be finding a new insurance provider. Uh, depending on what's going on with this car. Well, regardless of what's going on with this car. Mm -hmm. These, yeah. I've been with them since I was 16 years old, so they're trifling. Mm. Um, my highlight this week has been that it's been a good week. You know? Yes. Good. It does, I don't feel heavy, like something is just on my shoulders, on my back. Um, yeah. And just going into that, not being forceful of, not overthinking it, just leaning into uh, the easiness of just being and just taking it day by day. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm looking forward to next week. Spend some time with some family after we're done recording and force my little brothers to help me with grading some projects. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Double that as family time, you know? Yeah. A free meal, come back home, get ready for the week. Love it. Awesome. I forgot to say that I also had a uh, very good training. Um, so I had a training called the Crawford Racial Bias Reduction Training. And when I got there, I was like, oh, oh my God, okay, who cares, whatever. And so I get there and it's this black ass, unapologetically black ass, smart ass woman, beautiful, like with her locks, you know, just being herself, talking to us like I'm talking to y'all, you know, um, and calling white people out. So that was just very good for me. Um, I mean, I've talked to plenty of other people that were in the training and they were like, how great was that training? Right? Like amazing via zoom. I literally put my phone on do not disturb. So I'm going to be referencing, uh, that training throughout our pod because she gave some gems, some gems were dropped. Okay. Um, but as far as putting people onto new things that I am reading, watching, listening to, whatever the case may be. Um, let's get into Nunu. So yesterday I went to Barnes and Noble and this is not new, but it is new as an adult for me. So I went to Barnes and Noble in the morning so that I could work on my CEU course uh, without Janae. <laughs> And so I went there, I got myself, well, I brought coffee and water. So I was 
just using their Wi-Fi for <laughs> that time. And then I bought like a, it was a really good matcha latte with pumpkin, pumpkin cold foam or something like that. It was fire. Okay. I was like, I can get used to this. Everybody nice. People talking to me. Good morning. I said, this is my kind of people. People reading, minding their damn business. I said, this is it. So I'm going to say that my new new is going to the bookstore, you know, even if it's just to read your book or whatever the case may be, it's a nice like environment. Um, and I am almost done with this book. I started on Saturday last week. Um, it ends with us. Everyone is talking about it by Colleen Hoover. And in the spirit of Black History Month, this is a white woman. <laughs> but it is a very good book. So I would suggest getting it. Um, I've just been like flipping through it, flipping through it. And I was like, damn, like why I got to be reading this right now? So I did go to Barnes and Noble and buy some other books. So I did buy um, something about June by Tia Williams. What is it called? I can't remember what it's called, but um, I, I just want you to get out there and freaking read. Uh, Seven Days in June by Tia Williams, and that is a Black woman. So that is going to be my next read after this. But yeah, maybe you used to love going to the bookstore or the little book fair in elementary school, and you kind of got out of that innocence. And so I just want to suggest that you spend some time in the bookstore again and see if you find something that sits with you. Mm -hmm. What y'all doing? That's wild. I just want to say. I just want to say that's wild because over the week, we were all having a moment and you two were like, are we the same person? Because y'all were connecting on stuff that you didn't realize you had in common. And Jasmine, I go hang out in Barnes & Noble. Like, I just like the smell of the bookstore. Right, me too. In their chilling, <laughs> whether if it's like in their studying, um, mm -hmm. going in there. So like, it's crazy because my new new is the book that I got in there. And it's called Living Forward. It is by two uh, cis men, heteronormative white men, to be exact, um, in the spirit of Black History Month. <laughs> 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 but I feel like it's gonna be a quick and easy read. Um, yeah, and just, I mean, it's like 200 pages. So I can quickly knock that out. And there are some other Black authors that I have already purchased um, waiting on Amazon to come in and get to those. So yeah, Prince Harry was my, cause I'm trying to read a book a month throughout the year. And so Prince Harry was my book of January. Um, you know, it's not really black history adjacent, but <laughs> he's, trying to he's married to a black woman. He's trying, he acknowledges his downfalls before Megan, so we can appreciate that. We still didn't need to know he was circumcised. I'm gonna stand on that ten toes. <laughs> you feel so strongly about that. It was just I was driving and I was like, oh, okay. Well, here we are. <laughs> uh, what about you, America? What's new with you, Boo? So my new new is also a book. Um, however, my 
However, mine is by a black author, so happy birthday. Um, <laughs> but I'm reading Want to Breathe, um, and it's by Janice Lynn Mather. Um, but I'm doing it a little different. I think I said a couple weeks ago, I saw a tweet and a girl was, a woman was discussing how she manages to read. She used to love to read as a child. She could read multiple books in a day. That was me. And now she's struggling with reading because her brain is doing what her brain is doing. And so she had talked about having an audible play while you also read. So it's like it's reading to you. And so mm -hmm. I've been doing that and it has been phenomenal because the only thing I can do is focus on the book. So that has right. been really so that's my new note. If you need to make adjustments, get you an audible, read the book with it, whatever you need to do so that you can read and have some damn peace, do what you need to do. I'm glad you said that because I there's a book I have, um, and I bought the audible of it because it's a series, but I didn't mm -hmm. want to buy the rest of the series. And so I was like, man, is that weird to like follow along like story time? So I'm glad you just validated that. I'm glad too because did I think it was weird at first? Yes. I was like, wait, this is kind of weird. Like, why do I need to do this? I didn't have to do this before. And then the whole little thing started. And I was like, okay, I didn't have to do it before, but I need to do it now. So right. I'm gonna meet where right. I am right now, and that's this is what I need to do. And so it's pretty, it's been pretty cool. Nice. Yes. I love that. Oh. And now I feel compelled to say that I finished Black Cake, which was by a Black author during Black History Month. But I just kind of want to start this episode with a moment of silence for Tyree Nichols, for Keenan Anderson, um, two black men who died at the hands of the police department. Um, I'm going to shut up now. So I'm just going to say that this is going to be a difficult topic, um, but it is a topic that I see so much value in us discussing um, and holding space for one another, just because where else do we really get that space to do so? So police brutality. It's something that has evolved, right, from slave ownership and is now modern-day slave hunting. Um, as you can see, Black people are continuously targeted by the police, uh, and we know that their white counterparts typically have illegal substances on themselves or weapons or whatever the case may be, but because of the color of their skin, no one is ever stopping them. And if they are stopping them, they are making it home, which is not what we can say, you know, for these two young men. Um, 
for for me as a parent, I have to think of how I talk about racism with my child because we know that it is going to happen, right? Uh, in the training, she said that children start to uh, make friends and determine their circle by race at age of two. And so in the training, we have breakout groups and, you know, these white people were like, okay, but if you talk about that, then that takes away some of their innocence. And I'm like, okay, yes. And that is a privilege that you have. That's not a privilege that I have because my child is surely going to be discriminated against before your child is. And so it's important for me to define racism. So she was like, okay, how do you talk about racism with kids? Like, how will they understand it? That's what people were trying to say. Oh, they're, they're not going to understand it. She said, okay, racism is bullying someone based on the skin that they are in. All right. Mm-hmm. It's rough, y'all. It has been rough. And I feel like people can become desensitized to the reality that we are living in. People can say like, oh, it's just another name or, you know. But it's not normal. This is not normal. We shouldn't be seeing people that look like us. We shouldn't be seeing anyone getting fucking killed by the cops. But we shouldn't be seeing people that look like us literally being killed by the police. Mm -hmm. And then with the victim blaming and saying, oh, well, they had drugs and, okay, and who the fuck don't? (laughs) I don't, but I need to (laughs) Sorry, 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 sorry. sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, But no, 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 you're right. You're absolutely right. You know, I have so many different layers because then I also work in the hood. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so I work with students that struggle with emotional regulation, right? Because their parents struggle with emotional regulation, right? Because their parents struggle with emotional regulation. Mm-hmm. And so them just existing, right? And their very real experiences and the police, the uh, the kids don't think beyond what's happening now. They don't think about the future. They don't think about what them saying X, Y, and Z will do, right? And so that really rocked me to my core, you know, in thinking about how this could happen. If we're being honest, most many black and brown people, especially when we are talking about generational trauma, 
in intergenerational trauma, we have to remember how trauma changes our brain. And so for a lot of people, they're not able to think about the future. They're not able to think about future consequences in the moment. They're only trying to make it through that moment. And so when we're talking about being um, emotionally dysregulated, we got to remember for those kids and for those parents, it's a long line of that. So then to expect somebody in that moment of when they've experienced a certain level of trauma, especially if they've experienced trauma, we're talking about uh, the cycles of the power of control. And we're understanding how those things come into play in that moment. It's impossible to expect, unrealistic to expect for somebody to be able to regulate themselves and the flooding that happens in those moments. It's impossible. Exactly. Exactly. The police has the police system, not just the police, health school system and everybody else. All the systems systems have learned how to use that and navigate it in a way that's more beneficial for them. So I have a supervisee that she is a social worker in the school that she works in. And um, they have her with a caseload. And she mentioned that one of her kids is struggling with emotional regulation. And so he got hemmed up by two white cops. This is a 97% black school. He got hemmed up by two uh, SROs. And of course, he had this really emotional outburst because they were grabbing him and he's experienced a great amount of abuse. So he has this outward expression. Of course, it's we got to prove a point. We got to shut him down. We got to he has to be arrested and suspended and all of these other things. Yet at this at this school, y'all got a chill room. And so why was that not used or offered? You take the white kids to the chill room when they're having uh, issues with regulating themselves, the other brown kids. But you don't take the black kids there, especially the big black boys, because in that moment you want to remind them that they can be broken, that they can be broken. That's literally what that is. So the shit runs deep. The prison it the really does. line is not oh a joke. Oh my god, it's not. Yeah. I I agree with everything y'all are saying. There were some points that Jasmine made that really resonate with even my middle schoolers that I see. Right. I go to a school that is um, not primarily white at all. And so we've had two instances in the in the new year in which a um, group of eighth grade boys, um, to my understanding, were just going back and forth of like who could say the most ridiculous thing. And one of them, you know, was like, well, I'll I'll shoot shoot up the school. And it's like, well, all right, like you can't say that so i'll stop you right the fuck there of course like you know shut it down um so he was expelled and and i didn't realize until after the fact you know at the end of the day teachers get together and and chit chat but i did walk by the ap's office throughout the day and did see a mom in there crying with the student and so it makes sense i mean like now he's been expelled and like just all the repercussions that come with this Mm -hmm. and in that moment of ignorance and trying to say the most outlandish thing you have now impacted your life. What I've noticed is with my students, um, 
their seventh graders and even with eighth graders, it's like the word racist or racism is so diluted. You know, when I first started this position, I was there probably my third week and a little girl said under her breath, because I told her to stop talking during the quiz, that I was racist. And so I told her to repeat herself in front of the class because she said it to where like a, like five other students were like sniggling. And I asked her to repeat herself. Like, you know, if you're bold enough to say it under your breath, like here I am, right? Like say it to me. And she wouldn't repeat herself. And I started to let it go, but I was just like, no, like I, I'm not, I can't, I can't condone it because I've heard it. And so I called her, her parents and like towards the end of class and as class was being dismissed, I gave her the phone to talk to her dad and let them have a moment. And she told her father she that I was racist against her because she was um, Arabic and Muslim. And I was, of course, like, as an adult, like taken aback by it and hurt by it as a woman of color, as an adult, as someone who just that wasn't even the mindset, you know? If you're talking during a quiz, like, that's the problem, you know what I mean? Right. Um, and so, and then like the parent got off the phone with the kid. So I, I just, you know, come to find out it was, it was all handled by the AP. Um, I didn't have to interject or anything beyond that, but it just, it really got me to think like these kids throw these words around and they don't, realize the the impact or the heaviness of it um mm -hmm. there's been countless times as a peer and as now an adult and just like i've had to tell hispanic people like why are you saying the n-word oh girl more than the black <laughs> folks around you I and mean, sometimes there's no that's literally my school it is it grinds my gears like that word is not of your culture. And that's the whole, you know, we can, I can go on a whole tangent about the N word, but it's just a lot of these things are cultural and there are experiences, there are traumas that are literally passed down to us through our experience, through our DNA. And if you can't relate, then empathize, ask how you can be an ally and let's move the fuck on. But well, speaking of, Go ahead. No, I was going to say, speaking of being an ally, Dr. Crawford said being an ally is the absolute bare minimum. You need to be an abolitionist. Abolish that shit. Mm -hmm. So don't just tell me that you support me. Like, stand in front of me and demand that I'm treated better or say something to this cop that is harassing me, you know? Don't just say like, I support you. Black Lives Matters. <laughs> yeah. And acknowledge that there are weapons that can be used against Black folks that are not your typical weapons. So white fragility, white tears, um, mm -hmm. calling the police, using like there are, we've all seen videos and know of instances where those things are used as weapons um, against Black people, against the Black community. Um, you know the likelihood of what would happen when you call the police um, on a suspicious or therefore otherwise, you know, non-emergency issue. All right. It also gets me that like the police 
their motto is to protect and serve. And it's like the institution of policing is oppressive. And right. the job of a, pol the, a police officer is a job. Right. For me, I've had to, I've, I try to conceptualize it that way. And that way I don't find myself in fear of. Right. And so um, just saying that when this whole Blue Lives Matter thing happens, right? Uh, Y'all lives are not blue. <laughs> Take your uniform off at the end of your eight and or 12 hour shift. And that's no longer your identity, whereas I don't get to take mine off. Y'all don't right. get to take y'all something right. we wear all the time. I don't right. get to retire with the pension from being black. Right. Sure. That part. Something that they have weaponized. And that brings a good point of for me back to like the whole parenting thing is that I want Janae to be unapologetically black as fuck. And that is the very thing that they weaponized, right? Being black. And so it's just a, a hard dance, right? Because I want her to show up as herself. And I want her to know that there are very real dangers out there. Yeah. My aunt was telling, so my my little brothers are 16 and 15 right now. 16 year old has his own car. Um, mm. Thankfully, like hasn't been pulled over or anything like that. My aunt on my mom's side was is teaching my little cousin who's 15 how to drive. And he was pulled over by the cops with her in the vehicle. And so I asked her, how did he handle it? And she was like, he handled it fine. She was like, I don't teach him to be fearful. So he wasn't scared or anything. He gave him his information. And, you know, and it kept it moving. And so I, I resonated with that of like teaching our kids not to be fearful, but to be knowledgeable. Um, well, here comes America, but fearful. Um, which, which I think is helpful, but I also think we have to remember if the kids are seeing these kids, adults, whoever, are continuously seeing these videos of people who look like them be gunned down, beat, whatever, left in the street for dead, whatever the situation is. It's really hard to then you as a parent share with them, oh, well, don't be afraid. As long as right. you put your hands where they're supposed to be and as long as you right. uh, have your ID around your neck and as, around, as long as you do these other things, it's going to keep you safe because the reality is that is not true. That is not what's going to keep a black person safe. If a white officer or even a black officer, whomever, right. pulls somebody over and they on some power trip shit and right. that ego is in the way and they're not able to regulate themselves, it's going to happen whether they can see your shit or not. So I, I understand teaching like don't be afraid because I do think that fear, of course, is going to intensify the experience for everybody. And at the same time, understanding that we continuously, this another name, two names in a span of what, a week or so. And then yeah. seeing videos and they're circulating and people are sending trauma porn, literally. And like literally. watching videos, watching a person's last minutes, it's going to be hard as hell to not be afraid of that. Right. Like that's hard. 
Yeah. And that's a very understandable response because yeah. it's not fucking normal. Yeah. And we are in a society where they want us to think that it is normal yeah. because nothing happens. And well, I think, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say just to that point, I mean, lynching was legalized, right? Lynching right. was a, you know, I look at those pictures and it's like, some of them look like they're in their Sunday's best. Mm -hmm. you know, hats, coats, you know, yep. suits on. So like the massacre of black bodies and then left to display the, the dehumanizing of black people. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, mm -hmm. that, is it's been like that since we got here. Right. So in my mind, when you were viewing the shootings through social media, you were watching a modern day lynching. Yeah. And do you want to be a part of that? Like for me, I have a I have a visceral reaction to it because I see my dad, my brothers, my uncles, my lovers. Like I I just I see ourselves in them. So mm -hmm. I've you know, I I stopped watching the videos a long time ago. I oh, guess. I definitely right. I was like, I definitely I don't, watch don't watch them ever under and any circumstance. I think when the the killing, uh, well, we'll say black men because I know women too. But when this started to come about, or we started to see it more often, I feel like at one point I even remember feeling like, okay, good people are gonna see this. People are gonna understand that this is this is a problem. When they say black folks pulled a race card or everything's about race, if you just comply, if you just this, if you just that, my thought was, okay, people will see these videos. They'll start to see black people as people. And then maybe this will change something within the systems that be. And I think quickly after one or two, I was like, oh shit, no. Like it doesn't make a difference. It doesn't change society's perception of black people or blackness if anything if you see comments under those videos it i don't give a damn what's happening it's always something around like you said earlier what's in their system what right. they were doing oh, they yes, right. it's always something and so i think after a while what that's done is it's just increased this feeling of hopelessness like it's a mm -hmm. it's a feeling of i know what's happening and I can't do nothing about it. Nothing. So then you start to feel despair. You start to feel defeated. You start to feel like, what's the point? And I think that's where that desensitizing comes from is, right. well, I can't do shit about it. So, right. okay. And it's just another name and it just continues to happen in that way. But we don't really understand or realize the impact that seeing Black death has on all of us. Like, it's traumatic. It like, is. trauma. And it is a real fucking thing. And we really got to be willing to start paying attention to how that's impacting us. It is not normal to see a person. First of all, it's not normal to see somebody die anyway. Anyway. Like anyone. Regardless. And like, then we can talk about gun violence and all of that. But like that, there's nothing about that that's normal. And right. then you couple in seeing a white a people in positions of power, white officers, black officers as well then exert this power on people, on black men, and and dehumanizing black men in the way they do, that's just not normal. Nobody that's should normal. see that. Nobody should experience it. Nobody. Right. Nobody. Mm -mm. Yeah. It's a constant reminder that you don't matter. 
Right. Right. Which is the whole, uh, all right. No, you're right. That's the whole point though. No, the whole point of Black Lives Matter. I was good, right. Yeah. So then like people take that and they weaponize it and they manipulate it. So case in point to how the media manipulation of that stems. This past week, we had an incident at the school. So the school I work at is grades six through 12. Oh, and they're <laughs> that's uh, a big ass range, right? I think schools should have people, kids six through 12. I don't, I don't like Ooh. a sixth grader and a 12th grader being in the same fucking place is oh, not okay. For oh, me. <laughs> so, there, there's a large cafeteria and a gym that separates the middle school from the high school, but yes, they're all connected. You could walk from one side to the other, so. Last week, there was a day I was um, in class with the kids and a group of high schoolers came in, said they they were with yearbook. Can they interview a couple of students? So a few kids, um, you know, volunteered or some of them were like, oh, you should take so and so. You should take so and so. And this group and I thought it was odd because typically with yearbook, it's like three kids will come. But this was like five or six. So I was like, okay. But they picked they picked two boys that were seemingly white out of the bunch from the group. One is Loki Mexican, the other one, his family is from Palestine. So okay. So they pick them, they go out in the hall, whatever, whatever. Boys come back and the kids are like, What happened? Oh, they just interviewed us. Didn't think anything of it, M- moved on. Friday after school, it then comes out that that group of kids skipped yearbook class, went around the school, and they were cherry picking the white kids from classes and asking them, what's your favorite so-and-so, TV show, food, dessert, whatever, whatever. And then kids would answer and they would say, well, would you rather your favorite so-and-so or to celebrate Black History Month? Would you rather your favorite so-and-so or to support Black Lives Matter? They was doing a TikTok trend. They were, is that a TikTok trend? It's a black girl that goes around and asks people this or Black History Month. Gotcha. Taco Bell or Black History Month to like white, red, southern, at least they seem like southerners. So yeah. Mm-hmm. that, And so that's what they were doing. How they got caught is because they picked the wrong motherfucking one. So they picked this little girl and within 20 minutes, her white mother was at the school and the operation was shut down. <laughs> and so <laughs> it's, okay. it's like, you know, the audacity, the fact that we are out here and we we fight for legitimization. Lord help me. Anyway, we need to legitimize uh, our movement and our uh, ability to be seen and 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 just be. I just I'm. I don't even have the words how pissed and ignorant that was of them. But I guess knowing that it's a social media trend doesn't make sense. <laughs> it doesn't it make sense. sense. It don't matter. It, it, make sense. it better. You yeah. know. No, no. But now you see, like, oh, they're being dumb because everyone's being dumb. Yeah. You know? And so now it just fires me. It was like, okay, well, this week our Black History Bulletin needs to go up. 
this week to make sure that like I'm talking about, I'm tying in social studies and black history and like letting these kids know, like we just talked about Texas annexation and they really want to harp on slavery. Well, it's like, okay, if y'all want to talk about slavery, then like I need to explain it to them to where they can humanize with it. And it's not just like something controversial to say, because at this age, they're also learning cuss words. You know what I mean? They don't know oh, how to- Oh, not learning, baby. Well, they don't know how to cuss, but they just be cussing. And yeah. it's ridiculous. So it's like slavery, racism, you're a racist. Like words like that, you know, to them are just cuss words. They're just talking. And mm -hmm. you really to shut the fuck up, but you can't. <laughs> Listen, one thing I know for sure is they couldn't put me in a classroom with kids because somebody going to fire me. Because <laughs> I tell you, I remember seventh, eighth grade social studies and I remember it like it was yesterday, oddly enough. And I remember the discussion about slavery and how it was it was just glossed over. And it was almost like you blink and oh, black black folks in America. And this is what they were doing. And it's like, no. We got to have a real conversation about what was actually happening. We got to talk about the transatlantic slave trade. We got to talk about the impact that that's had on uh, people's psyche. We got to talk about slave owners. We got to talk. We can talk about the black slave owners too if y'all want to. Like we got to talk about racism as a system. Like the mm -hmm. whole thing, because getting it from a book, it ain't that ain't it. Right. And being in Texas, our daughters of the republic have already whitewashed our textbooks. We know that. So there's no way that I could, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Black History Month will be my last month working because I would <laughs> them back with everything they need to know and wait for somebody mama to call. Right. Black. Get black. Okay. <laughs> and that's that on that. Um, I'm trying to think, was there like another point that I have from the training because, the, oh, uh, yes, the black on black crime. Yeah. Because we know that um, Tyree Nichols was killed by how many black five. five. Okay, five. I'm like, that's a lot of motherfuckers. Black, uh, black man, one white officer. Okay. And so that brings me to the um, Instagram post that I had shared about diversity not being the problem. Did I already say the quote that diversity is never the goal? It is just the reward. Mm -hmm. um, and so having more Black people in the police department will not have a positive impact on the culture, right? Because the culture is still rooted in whiteness. Mm -hmm. And so when we say, oh, how did these five Black, man, black men kill this Black man, understand that their job that they are doing is rooted in whiteness. And so in order to gain acceptance and to show that they are able to do their job and fulfill their duties, 
they are doing the fucking most. There was a point in history where there were certain black men that in order to gain their place in society, they would sell and profit off of the backs of other white men, the black slave owner. Um, it the, the whole situation with these cops is really given Massa and his five mandingos. Uh, that's really the in my mind that is given. And I would stand on that. America? I think in if I think in big picture that's true. But if what they're saying about this case is what it is, this ain't even got anything to do with policing. This some other shit. This oh, so tell, what are they saying? So according to social media world, and again, I don't know because I mind my business. But the understanding is this was some personal shit. The one of the officers sent a text to the his ex girl and said, "I got the nigga you was fucking with." So this is something else. This is completely different from like when we're talking about systemic and the internalized racism and oppression. This is a little different. This is taking your privilege and abusing the fuck out of it so that right. you can do what you want to do. Yeah. I think it's crazy. Now, I don't, I don't know if that's true, but that's, that's what the social media world was saying. So. America just came and dropped a bomb. Be doing? I don't be doing it on purpose. I'd be trying to be quiet, but then I was like, mm, let me set this all up. Because I think that's important. Now, let me be very clear. I am not negating the fact that I know that black officers can get into uh can use this internalized oppression and anti-blackness and they will do what they gotta do because they've been told they need to do it. I'm clear on that too. I just don't, I'm not sure if that's what this was. I think this might have been something. Damn. Well, I think this might be a little different. <laughs> Just a little bit, but it but it doesn't negate the fact that I've seen uh white people say, "Well, you know," and some black people, which it's always funny, like the guy in your training around, like, "Well, what about black on black crime? Black people kill black mm -hmm. people." Pause. Black on black crime is not real. It is a fucking myth. Black people are not killing other black people because they're black. Right. Black people are killing other black people because they're close in proximity. Black people tend to live near other black people. You tend to have conflict with the people that you live around and that you deal with. It's just crime. Black on black is not real. It's the make-believe shit to distract people from the power that be and the systems and how they work. Right. That's all that. That's it. That's it. And you only hear people talk about black on black crime when we're talking about trying to have rebuttals against police brutality. And the reality is crime is crime and we can't separate it in that matter because that's not what's happening. And people, black, police are killing black men or black people because they're black. Right. And that's the root of it. it operates within white supremacy. Right. Right. <laughs> a deflection they are deflecting from the real issue by saying black on black crime right. yes complete deflection you can't expect a, a ethnic group black folks to have the highest rates of poverty 
have black people in low income areas, have them where there's not a lot of opportunities, which we know is a result of white supremacy. So crime is going to be a result of your social, your social economic status. Like mm -hmm. that's just naturally happen. That's how this right. works. So this don't have shit to do with black, black, black. No. Proximity. Not real. Ding. <laughs> and let the church say amen. Because maybe mm. you want to piss me off talking about black on black. Because who I be. Because what are you talking about? No, it's not real. Shut up. And black people saying it will always make my ass itch. Because I don't understand what you don't understand. <laughs> oh my God. I don't understand what you don't understand. Like, it's, this really ain't that hard to grasp and stop using that as a rebuttal, especially to that mean massa is in your head. If I would have right. been in that, sir, get, get the white man out your head. The white man in your head is telling you right. to ask it's about crime. That's right. not it. Let it go. Let it go. Um, I had another thought too, though. <laughs> I'm also clear that police kill non-black people. Right. I'm very clear on that. But the biggest difference here is I have never seen, and there might be a couple, I doubt it, but I've never seen videos of non-black folks going viral and us right. with their death. I've never seen news coverage of a non-black person mm -hmm. dying and that being the 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock news. Right. I've never seen that. And so if it's okay well, if it's not okay for to see white folks die or non-black people die, the fact that we are internalizing that it is okay to witness the death of black folks is a problem. Right. Absolutely. This is it. <sighs> Let me finish this. Sorry. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> um, you know, my whole program at my job is a result from them removing school police officers from campuses and giving resources to black students so that we can increase their achievement. Um, and I've still heard horror stories about how school police have treated black students. Wait, they had APD in the school? Yeah. Alright, because alright. Yeah. Um and so I just we know that it doesn't work. <laughs> we know that it doesn't work in our community. We know that it doesn't work in our schools. And so there has to be seriously abolishing the police and like literally creating a different system to actually protect and serve mm -hmm. and not just choose when to protect and serve because school shootings happening where's that need to protect and serve let's not talk about the officers in Uvalde who stood in the school who waited to enter the school who sat idly while elementary kids and their teachers, like, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and then during the training, this guy also said, you know, what I noticed is that the Blue Lives Matter were pretty quiet regarding this specific of police course. brutality incident. Of course. I was like, 100%. I wonder why. <laughs> of course they were. Blue Lives apply to these officers. Yep. Blue Lives Matter is a rebuttal to Black Lives Matter. Exactly. Which is 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 idiocy because again your job is to be a police officer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do I do want to say this that in my personal experience and I know that there are people who can relate to this and I know that it is a generalization and not always the case. But I have noticed at least in my peers that um, have become cops, I can name at least five that were the obnoxious, rude, arrogant, mm. saying rude things on the computer, you know, the throw the rocks behind your hand type of white guy, and they're all cops now. So it's like, you know, and these are, I would say like, shit, I mean, in just describing these five guys, like the rejects of high school, you know, right? sat in their hometowns for long enough, didn't go to community college or failed out or didn't go to university like some of us who bust our asses to like get somewhere and then they became cops because that's respected and you know they'll take you in so it's what are our standards for who we choose to protect and serve us um, but again I just I don't know would would America, would a country with the history that America has abolish policing? I just, there's just always going to be part of me that it's like, even this constitution who named Black folks, you know, three-fourths of a person, like, just this, this country wasn't made for those of us in mind. Mm -hmm. And we are here and we deserve to fucking live. Because at the end of the day, we built this on our backs. You know, I just, if, if white people wrote, wrote the paperwork to set up the governments and it's like, I mean, it's just, you tell us that this country is built on, um, you know, it's a melting pot and, you know, people come here for better opportunities and whoop, whoop, whoop. But what kills me is that we we preach that to our kids. I don't know if we still do, because they can turn on the news and see otherwise. But I know when we were growing up, like it was taught to us that way, that you could work hard on something and you get out here in the real world and you're like, no, it's not actually set up that way. There are legitimate barriers that us as black people have. You look like you were gonna say something, America. I always look like I'm about to say something. Um, not only did was this country built on the backs of black and brown emotional and physical labor, but it continues uh, to be. We are continuing to carry this country on our backs emotionally and mentally. Um, 
And the whole melting pot thing, like I know it's a, a sociologic a sociology term, but honestly, when we think about it, like that's just some bullshit that was that just recently started to be a, a part of the conversation. And it was a part of the conversation because America, America, the powers that be wanted it to seem like this was a land of opportunity and growth where everybody's treated equally. And there was like a, sh a shift in that. But we all know that that's complete and utter bullshit. Like, Absolutely. that's a whole ass lie. It's a delusion. Uh, it's a complete delusion, obviously. And I, I know that delusion is helpful. I like to operate in delusion, but this is one of those situations where delusional is not going to change shit because it just is. Right. Um, and with the, with the officers that you were talking about, Jasmine, we got to remember that society places officers in this position of power. Systemically, oddly enough, they are seen as, they literally are like the judge, the juror, and the executioner. Like they get to decide. If a cop pulls you over and tells you to do A, B, and C, X, Y, and Z, walk down the street butt-ass naked, stand with your finger to your nose, put your leg in the air, you are supposed to do it. And if you don't comply, comply being an interesting word here, if you don't right. comply, it's a probability you're not going to go home. Well, sir, you got to add to it me because you pissed off at your wife and you right. made somebody attack you through high school and that you were bullied. And now you got this little piece of power, which really ain't a little piece of power. It's a lot of fucking A lot power. of power. Right. Play. And so if you're talking about somebody who was rejected in high school and they're having issues with their ego and their self-esteem, they get this badge and they get this uniform. Baby, I'm that nigga. So right. with this new level of power and control, I'm going to exercise it every chance I get. So you ignored me in high school, bitch, you can't ignore me now. Yeah. But I got something for you now. And it, it forces people to respect you. Or at least it, it give you a level of respect, even if they really don't respect you. And that's what right. a lot of times people are looking for. Yeah. Yeah. What's the name of the study where they put the graduate students, some of them, they were randomly assigned to be uh, the police and the rest were prisoners. And they put them in the prisoner and the power dynamic. What's the name of that study? I'm going to Google. Hold on. Yeah. Are you talking about the shock one? No. They Phillips something. It's a whole thing. But that that is something that we need to regularly teach. Like, I didn't learn about that until I was in a college psychology course. You know? But that is a prime example of human nature and the power dynamic shift. It was called the Stanford Prison Experiment. Stanford Prison Experiment. Yeah. Yeah. That is worth learning about in realizing that, like, that is impactful and relevant in society. 100%. Right. Mm -hmm. So what kinds of things do you do to find your center to find some balance and some joy in the midst of like heavy, heavy life. For me, y'all already know, therapy <laughs> keeps that Ding. therapy on the week. 
Lee um, because I the nature of our jobs is that we are constantly dealing with other people's things, helping them to explore it. And, you know, we're doing a lot of mental gymnastics in our head to help them, you know, and so it is a lot. And so to be dealing with that multiple times a day throughout the week and see this trauma porn plastered all across your social media, maybe first thing in the morning, you know, it's a lot. And so I, for one, make sure that I don't watch any of those videos. I make sure that I don't follow anyone that would be posting those videos. I make sure that I am, you know, not checking social media first thing in the morning because if that's the first thing I do and that's the first thing I see, then how you think my day about to go? Mm-hmm. So I try my hardest. Well, I don't try my hardest. I read first thing in the morning um, while I'm waiting for my pre-workout to activate. And then I work out and then I post like I'll post my little workout pick and then I'm like, OK, what's happening? Because I've already poured into myself first mm-hmm. before I've allowed the world to try and pour into me. Um. Finding some small ways to increase that self-care. So like I'll light incense throughout the day or have my humidifier uh, diffuser. I always say the wrong thing. Diffuser going with the oil, essential oils and stuff like that. Um, just trying to help myself kind of stay like in a more uplifted mood because it's very easy to spiral down mm-hmm. in the midst of all of this. Um, and connecting with friends and making sure that if possible, we can hold space for each other. Mm -hmm. And keyword is if possible, don't just be calling up folks and just, Hey, do you have space right now? Mm -hmm. I have a lot of feelings going on with everything happening in the world. Can we talk about it together? If not, like, that's cool. Journaling, you know. But doing something so that you can talk about it and you can acknowledge it because I feel like the world wants you to just be like, okay, anyway, back to work. Okay, way this. Yeah. You know, I think it's important to kind of process it and do so with people that you feel trusting of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to all the things you said, I think one of the things, well, two of the things that feel most important for me is counteracting the internalized racism with uh, some with joy. So when you see those videos, well, many of us, when we see those videos or when we hear about it, I think it can really tap on this whole being unworthy. Our blackness isn't wanted. Um, mm-hmm. And so finding instances to find joy. And so, ooh, okay, I'm not going to say that here. I'll tell y'all when we're done. Um, <laughs> finding, <laughs> finding ways to experience joy and doing things that feel good. Um, because to me, our joy is an act of resistance. So I am going to do whatever I can do to experience that because why the fuck not? Um, 
And then meeting myself with compassion. Because even with um, Tari, I didn't see the video. I'm thankful that I don't follow people who would post. Uh, thank goodness. I haven't seen. Right. Anything. Me either. Um, and I'm really thankful for that. But even with like knowing that it had happened and not really knowing the backstory, not wanting not wanting to know the backstory, I noticed that I was still having some feelings come up. And I was like, wait a second. Like, I'm feeling uncomfortable about something I haven't even seen. And I was in the IFS training that next day. And so I, I'm sitting there the whole day like, bitch, I'm mad. And like, mm-hmm. why am I pissed off? And then I realized, oh, I'm in this training. It's only four of us that look black. And the facilitator is a black woman. And we're talking about equity and inclusion and all of these and white supremacy. And why ain't nobody talking about what's happening? Right. So then right. I was like, ooh, okay, cool. So if I would have judged myself in that moment, it, you know, that conversation would have looked very different. But it was like, OK, let me get curious about what's happening. And then, OK, what do I need? And that's why I was on the walking pad the whole time. Mm-hmm. That's what I needed. Um, so just really being willing to meet myself with curiosity, meeting with compassion and joy yeah. is important to me. Same. Yeah. For me, I agree with all of y'all. I don't watch the videos anymore. Uh, I knew the system was bullshit when I was in college and I watched the Trayvon Martin case every day after my summer classes. And mm-hmm. just watching that unfold and before the jury even left out, you just knew you were like, they're gonna let this motherfucker get away with murder. Yep. And that is when, as a young adult, I realized that like, it's this isn't what they told us. Like this is something. Right. Um, yeah, uh, I think uh, Philando Castile is a good example for you can do the right thing and still end up dead. I think Sandra Bland is a good example of you can be doing something that's not worth your life and yet in custody you don't make it home. So there's just countless examples that where where I, I was, you know, looking for stuff like, you know, just just trying to be in the know to whereas now it's like same with this with Tyree's case. It's like I saw another black man gone, I saw who did it, and that's all I needed to know. Me too. Like it's just it like like fuck all y'all, you know? It just it's it's bullshit. So, um, yeah, you know, this country doesn't value life over liberties. It's more important to be able for, for, let's just fucking say it. It's more important for white people to have their guns so that they feel prepared if and when this supposed race war is going to happen, AKA black folks start treating you the way that you've been treating them for all these years and they wake up and notice it and retaliate. But if that was going to happen, it would have been happened, you know? So that's the reason why we're fighting over guns and shit. Lives don't matter. We know that because if they don't care about these kids getting killed at Sandy Hook and you they don't give a fuck. So your liberties are more important than lives, than children's lives. Uh, the black folks' lives. So it's it's just it's um 
Yeah. I, when I start feeling confined by these boxes and these tropes and just society's crushing in, I know it sounds really cliche and like answer of me, but I like getting outside. Um, and if I can make it out, go for a drive and get away from the light noise and get to see the stars, it helps me to know that like these issues, this world are small in the infinite. Um, mm-hmm. My screen shape saber is a, is a picture of the galaxy that was, seen, that was sent back from the newest telescope. I can't think of its name on top of my head. But that just helps me kind of put in perspective that like, okay, there's bigger things out there when all this bullshit seems to, you know, be overwhelming. Yeah. Well, I just want to thank y'all for this space to be able to process and explore that with each other. And I know that people have got a lot of good and valuable information from our conversation. And I'm surprised that my cancer ass wasn't crying. Probably did a lot in therapy (laughs) and before and after, you know, um, But yeah, I just want to encourage everybody to make sure that they are taking care of themselves and trying to prioritize themselves because the work will be there. It's going to be there. You're not going to be there if you're not taking care of yourself. And with everything going on, it's more important than ever to make sure that you are prioritizing yourself, your joy, your happiness. Well, just remember, you can drink the green drink, you can hit reformer Pilates, and then do cycling with Cody crazy ass. But if you are ignoring the things going on in your head and in your heart, then you're still not truly healthy. So go ahead and seek therapy. Do it, y'all. Do it. Pull up on a good one, okay? (laughs) and stay black and if you're not black then use your privilege to help those that are see you next week bye bye y'all